Hello everyone, Michael Clancy here from the Hi-Hat Film Podcast. Thank you very much for downloading this very special festive episode of the show. It's festive because it is of course coming out in time for Christmas. And it's special because, well, it's not really a new episode at all, but rather one lifted from a couple of years ago. It's a special top five episode that I recorded with my, my former regular host, Nick Murray. A couple of years ago, we sat down and recorded our top five Christmas episodes, but it's kind of been relegated to our lost episodes category bin and has been until now unreleased on iTunes. So sit back on the Yule Fire with a, a cup of eggnog or, or something a little bit stronger. Hope you enjoy this very special episode. Thank you very much for downloading this and for your continued support. Look out for a new episode of the Hall of Fame coming out uh, very soon in the new year, in which Michel de Gondry's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind will be up for consideration into the Hall of Fame. But uh, in the meantime, hope you enjoy that. Thank you for your support uh, and enjoy the show and have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Well, this is one that I suggested. You know, it's a season of goodwill. Yes. To all men. Unless you are listening to this podcast not at the time it's recorded. But uh, yeah. Why would you do that? No, good point. Well, they're timeless. They apart are from, timeless. Apart from this one. Which we're <laughs> this is very stuff. much of the festive season. <laughs> of, yeah, indeed. So we're looking at top five Christmas films. Yes. And this is a tricky one. Mm. And this came up last night when we were uh, were hashing out the details with the lawyers mm-hmm. of the seating arrangements for today. And, you know, they, they were saying, you know, what is a Christmas film? Is it a film about Christmas? A film set at Christmas? A film in Christmas Island? A film in space mm. with Santa Claus? You know, yeah. what could be a Christmas film? Yeah. And we've just decided to keep it quite quite tight on the, on the focus of Christmas. Yeah. We? yeah, yeah, we have. I mean, I... I'm notorious for the on the top fives playing a bit fast and loose with the rules, but mm. I, and I almost I was tempted to do it again this time and pick a film that opens on Christmas but is not about Christmas or does it feature Christmas again? Michael so, Fast and Loose Bender, we call you. Yeah, exactly. So um, I've I've chosen not to do that. I've stuck more to the rules. So this is top five Christmas films, or who can say it's a Wonderful Life quickest? <laughs> is that the game? I suppose so. Yeah. Do you want to kick us off with number five? I'll kick us off with number five, which is a film from 2010. It is a Finnish horror fantasy called Rare Exports: A Christmas Tale. Okay. Right. So Nick, what you've got is a film that is reimagining the idea of Santa Claus. As a mythological demon who punishes the naughty rather than rewards the nice. Oh, is this hipster nonsense? <laughs> so basically, it's set in the Finnish, and I'm not saying this right, Korvantunturi Mountains. And it's based around the lives of Finnish reindeer hunters who whose business has, has come under some hard times because... Someone or something is uh, killing the reindeer in the mountains and uh, doing it in fairly brutal ways. You also have scientists who are excavating a tomb, the largest burial site they've ever found, and it turns out that they are actually digging up the uh, frozen tomb of this demon Santa Claus, who, if he is thawed out, will reign... (laughs) 
mass destruction upon everybody. Oh my god. And on top of that, he also has his uh, Santa's helpers, who are these thin, weedy, pencily, naked old men with beards. Of course. And it just so happens the residents, these uh, these reindeer hunters, happen to catch one of these uh, helpers, and they plan on selling it to the scientists and making a profit. But then it becomes uh, obvious that he is the key to defeating the demon and making sure that it's never uh, woken up again. So as you can... It's a classic story. As, yeah, it's a, it's a story as old as time. Good versus evil... Father and son relationships are are tested and all those things. I, I, honestly, you could just make these things up, and I would never go and check them. <laughs> you could just think, how am I going to make Nick look, look stupid by reimagining Santa Claus as a, a bloody naked demon? Yeah, oh, come on, honestly. Exactly. Well, it's 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 a very strange little film. It did get a small theatrical release in two thousand and ten. I did go to the cinema and see it. You know, it's it got a small release. It's, it's well regarded by a lot of people, and it is. It's an interesting piece. It's creepy and it's original and, uh, you know, it's it's very well acted. It's got a, a young performer who does a very good job in it whose name escapes me. Um, it's it's certainly not a perfect movie. It's certainly not going to go down as a, a Christmas classic. There are substantial problems, particularly in the third act. It becomes a little... some ropey action set pieces, but it is uh, filmed on a pretty micro budget and it's just... it's an interesting story. Yeah. And, you know, it's obviously... Christmas movies are usually thought of as being warm and fluffy and it's nice to see this cold little creepy piece which yeah I recommend I think it's a, it's a strong offer I've just quickly checked uh, Nikipedia about mm-hmm. the, the worldwide release of this film mm-hmm. and apparently once the original copy had crossed the the Finnish border everyone involved in the film celebrated <laughs> because it crossed the finish line yeah oh damn it alright so, so pause for laughter pause for laughter that is rare exports of Christmas Day that's good, that's yep. nice. So, um, I mean, Is that not on your list? Are we not getting a repeat on that We're one? not going to repeat on that because I don't make up films. Um, <laughs> I just make up love, actually. Oh, dear. At number five from 2003, this is um, a Richard... Is it Richard Curtis? Yep. The, um, the British director, mm-hmm. known for quite a lot of pap, but this is really... Oh. A standout film. Um, great performances from... You haven't from, said its name yet, Nick. I did. I said Love Actually, but I said it so casually. Oh, you just dropped it in there. I said it so casually that people would pick up on it and think, oh, that's that's something for me. I heard it. Thanks for that, though. Right. So, standout performances from Bill Nighy as uh, <laughs> aging rocker Billy Mack and uh, Alan Rickman as a conflicted married man yep. whose knickers get in a twist when slot number one starts working at his office. Yeah. So, a uh, fairly solid effort by Hugh Grant in this film who manages to deliver his lines with um, conviction and without stuttering and mumbling his way through a film which he usually does mm. um, he's the prime minister he can't yeah he doesn't mince his words no no doesn't mince anything he's got servants for that yeah Martin McCutcheon is a, a servant of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great cameo by Rowan Atkinson yeah. as an enthusiastic store assistant with yeah. a frustratingly impeccable attention to detail yeah he's kind of the the guardian angel for the the good I suppose. Yeah, they're there. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's lusty president. Yep. He's pretty solid in there. Um, the guy from the BET adverts being silly. Yep. And a very convincing uh, Kira Knightley cardboard cutout was used <laughs> on set as well. Yeah. For another um, another story there. <laughs> we have also got Liam Neeson, who's um, a friend of the show, as a recently widowed man, perfectly cast as a, a, a downbeaten, heartbroken husband, stroke father. And he, you know, he's just proved time and time again that he really is your go-to Misery Guts actor. Oh, but he's not, he's not a misery guts in this film. He's trying to pick up the little boy's spirits. At the start, he's a bit broken about the, oh. the death of his wife. 
Yeah, I don't still, think you can give him a hard time for that, can you? He's doing a fine job of himself, to be fair. In all seriousness, the film does a good job of, of juggling the um, the multi-narrative aspects of the mm, plot yeah. and, and connecting the characters as it follows ten separate stories that explore different incarnations of love mm-hmm. at Christmas. And sadly, it, it does suffer from boring performances from, from Colin Firth and Emma Thompson, as you you noted, and dirty Cockney Sparrow Martin McCutcheon. Yeah. I think I, I think after this, she, she got um, her tummy problems sorted out by some yogurt oh, and sake. really sorted her life out. So um, good for her. Yeah, it really divides crit- critics. This film, but yeah. I I think it's a great example of the British rom com, and it's just a largely inoffensive and actually quite cleverly arranged piece. Yeah. Um, if you, if you, I mean, there is a bit where Emma Thompson's character is just the Prime Minister character's sister. Yeah, they're not connected in any way apart from they're just no, they're just sewn together. Let's just have these two as, as brother and sister. No, it's their attempt to sew things together. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, is is soppy at parts? Yes, but sadly, I've had to endure this film on multiple viewings. Yeah. And sadly, this is your number five <laughs> favorite Christmas film. But of all it's time, because though. the comedy parts really do stand up to multiple yeah. viewings. Yeah. No, I watched it recently as well, and yeah, it's it's never going to be my favourite film, but mm. I, I think it's it's lovingly put together. I think everyone involved is doing a, a pretty decent job. Yeah. I like, they don't try to sew everything up. There are connections between all the stories, but they don't they don't try and link everything together, I yeah. don't think, which, you know, if they had, it might have turned a bit more eye-rolling, but I, I think it's a decent effort, and you know, if you... Have a film with Alan Rickman, Liam Neeson, and Colin Firth. You know, I'll, I'll happily watch that. That's a, there's a, a lot of talent on on board for this one. I mean, I, I watched it yesterday. Yeah. And one thing that stood out was um, Andrew Lincoln's character. Now he's in Teachers. Some people uh, might remember him from This Life. Yeah. And he's in The Walking Dead. He's, yep. Uh, he has a kind of storyline where he's in love with the Keira Knightley cardboard cutout. Yep. And he films her at her wedding. And then she goes around to, to see the video. He doesn't want to let her see. And it's yeah. just, I mean, it is pervert cam. Yeah, it's, it's all creepy. just close up yeah. to her face. And it's, that story doesn't sit too well with me. No. No. It's all wrong. It's a wee bit weird. So, pervert cam at Christmas. Because it's edited as well. It's, it's not just, oh, yeah. so he's, he's sat down and edited it. He's edited it right down. Yeah. It's, it's, it's good to go. Mm. It's good to go. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Lincoln, sort good. yourself out, mate. All right, well, number five for you, Love Actually. Yep. Good. Yeah, good. Love it. Alright, well, number four for me, going back to 1993, stop motion animated feature Nightmare Before Christmas. Which uh, is often mistaken as a Tim Burton movie. He did not direct this film. He, he was one of the writers on it, but it was directed by Henry Selick, who I believe went on to direct Coraline, another oh, stop okay. motion animated one. Uh, it's about Jack Skeleton, who's king of Halloween Town. He's just a big skeleton, really. But uh, his work recently, you know, Halloween is a big deal in Halloween Town, but his work recently has been leaving him somewhat un- unsatisfied and he's looking for more. And he happens to stumble upon a door to Christmas Town where. You know, it's filled with the the holiday spirit, and uh, basically that changes everything. It changes his outlook on life, and it begins a misguided attempt for him to become the new face of of Christmas and uh, bring that to the, the children of the world. And what I like about this film is it's 
you have you have animated features, you have stop motion animated, but there's something about this film that it's, it's just so lovingly made. You know, the attention to detail in everything. You know, you've got Halloween Town, which is just filled with these gothic, grotesque characters, and mm. it's very imaginative. Everyone kind of has everyone kind of has their own look, but there's a function to their look as well. The mayor has two faces. He's got kind of the rational side and the kind of sleazy, hysterical side, which spin round. Yeah. Obviously, that's for a politician. That's a, a great one to have. And you've got the boogeyman, who very functional in the way that he's made. He's very fitting for the purpose of his character, and you know he's done in by his uh, his appearance in the end as well. Without trying to give too much away, and obviously you've got the love interest who's kind of stitched together and falling apart. And yeah. it's you know it's all very nicely put together. And then you've got. The transfer, the juxtaposition of Christmas Town, which is kind of the sugary, sweet, happy, smiley, uh, as it should be, appearance, and that looks great as well. And there's just some really nice moments in it. The moment where Jack first discovers Christmas Town, and he's just wandering about with the wide-eyed innocence, and he's that song. The, the song "What's This" is it's superb. It's a great song. It's really fitting, but it's also the the way he's animated. He's just kind of walking around, and obviously for. A character whose face is a stitched-up skeleton, and they, they do a very good job of yeah. making them seem very animated and expressing a lot of emotion when there's not a lot to work with. So it's great, fantastic like that. It's really held together by the music of Danny Elfman, who actually also provides the singing voice for for Jack in really? this movie as well. Now Danny Elfman is a complete legend of a composer. You know, he worked on pretty much all of Tim Burton's movies. You know, this is Batman certainly has the feel to it, but he also worked on Midnight Run, he uh, scored all the Men in Black movies, uh, he, he was the composer for my one of my personal favourites, Hellboy 2, and, oh, here we go. you know, obviously, I wouldn't be as audacious as to suggest he's the greatest uh, living composer for films of our time, but uh, he's one that can capture the mood of a film and set the tone with his music, uh, and it is uh, phenomenal, and uh, the, the songs in it are, are really, really impressive and creepy and when they need to be and full of joy when they need to be. So, you know, Danny Elfman deserves a great deal of credit for making Nightmare, The Nightmare Before Christmas such a, an impressive film. Yeah, I think confused teenagers all across the world owe a great debt to this film for really filling in those those years of emo confusion yes. for their wardrobe. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's a, a, a real debt mm -hmm. to, to society. All right, so that's my number four, Nightmare Before Christmas. That's a good one. You know, I nearly didn't put it on my list, and then I kind of sat down and was taking notes on it and remembered just how many great things there are about this film. So I'm definitely going to go back and watch that again very soon. Lovingly crafted. Lovingly crafted. Okay, so two years later, we had another later. film. Later. Yeah. <laughs> we have another film which is lovingly crafted, and mm -hmm. that is uh, Jingle All oh, the Way. Put that cookie down! Now! And then, how did this not come up in our Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast? Oh, Way back in episode God. one, for um, people that want to go back and hear us talk, Arnie. You can talk, I'm leaving for two minutes. Uh, you have to get the Jingle All the Way mm -hmm. DVD, yeah. so we can relive the hilarity. Mm -hmm. This film, for me, really highlights the awful, aggressive commercialization of Christmas. You know, it's Buzz Lightyear, it's Furbies, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger raising hell, hell to get his son, Jamie. Oh, I need to get Jamie a Turbo Man doll. Put the cookie down. <laughs> Jamie! Ugh. So, he needs to get Turbo Man. And what follows is this madcap slapstick caper as Arnie tries to find the last Turbo Man in town. And he ends up crossing paths with this 
rubbish US comedian Sinbad's manic mailman mm -hmm. character who um, actually threatens a radio station with a bomb at one point, yeah. which is quite pretty heavy duty, yep. pretty gritty, and um, yeah, it's fun, it's crazy, it's chaotic, um, it's like Turbo Man's selfish commercial embodiment, it's nothing to do with Christmas, the film looks like it was filmed in spring, the final it act... Was. It was. Yeah, it was. Well, there you go. The, yeah. fi the, the final act where Arnie, for some reason, dresses as Turbo Man and flies makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And on top of this, no one mentions the fact that this hulking Austrian Goliath lives in small town USA as a, mass a mattress salesman. Yep. So, I mean, it's, for me, it's just Chris Christmas all the way. Don't ask questions, just get involved with Christmas. Don't and ask questions. Yeah, put, put up your tree and buy all the stuff, buy all the nonsense in a few weeks. It'll be over, and Arnie will be not around anymore, and, you know, whatever, just let's move on. Yes, can we? Well, no, because I want to uh, play a clip from Jingle All The Way. Okay. It's turbo time. It's turbo time. It's turbo time! Oh, poor baby. I guess there is a link, a very uh, threadbare link between your apparent fourth best Christmas film of all time yep. and my third best because I heard this on another podcast but um, apparently um, originally the role of Sinbad was to go to Joe Pesci really? yep and he had to be replaced because there was too much of a height difference between the two <laughs> so he was replaced by Sinbad so with that in mind Joe Pesci does make an appearance in my number three film yep. which is the 1990 uh, comedy classic Home Alone Directed by Chris Columbus. So, for those of you who don't know, which I, I can't imagine people don't know the plot of Home Alone, but Kevin McAllister, young child, is left alone by his extended family at Christmas time just due to a mix-up. He has an argument with them, and then there's a mad dash to the airport where old Kevin is left behind. And he's, uh, he has to fend for himself at home at Christmas. He has to fight off uh, invading burglars. And, more, most importantly of all, Nick, learn... Learn the importance of family and togetherness. Haven't seen it in a while, but this is certainly the film that launched Macaulay Culkin as the biggest child actor of the 1990s, yeah. and I think it's it's fair to, to see why. He may not be the greatest actor, uh, child actor. In fact, I, I watched Father of the Bride recently with Kieran Culkin in it, and he, he's a better actor mm -hmm. than, than his brother, and that's perhaps why he's had more longevity in his career, but he's a very charismatic childhood performer, I think, yes. I think he does have charisma, and he does, he does, he, he can carry a film mm -hmm. uh, in a way that I think a lot of childhood actors wouldn't be able to do. Uh, another standout would, is, of course, obviously Joe Pesci and his partner in crime, Daniel Stern, and what I, what I like about it is, obviously, this... Seeing this film as a child, this was my introduction to Joe Pesci. This was, this is the first time I'd experienced him in a film. So yeah. it was nice to then grow up and see him in Goodfellas and see him in Casino and 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 see what a psychopath he had been yeah. in in other films. And it, it just you just can't help but think what what would have happened if um, Goodfellas Joe Pesci had got his hands on that <laughs> that Brad Kevin McAllister? What yeah. would have happened to him? He's really holding it back quite a lot by Joe Pesci. Uh, by his he mind. is, yeah. I mean, he he's, he knows he's in a kid's film, but he, you know, he's pretty, quite measured, really. When yeah, I mean, the gravitas of the of the abuse that these guys get is um, mm -hmm. he's he's really quite um, subdued. Yes, 
Yes, by his standards, anyway. Mm. And, you know, obviously the centerpiece for the film is the the home invasion part mm. that, that happens towards the end in which they try and break into the house and he set up all these booby traps for him. And, you know, just kind of looking back, it, it's it's a really... I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen as a kid. I thought like that sequence was, like, the coolest thing the as traps. a kid. The booby traps, oh, everything yeah. he does, like, turning your house into, like, this madhouse for them to come into. Yeah. And it, it's great, but, you know, looking back on it, they get away with a, a significant amount of violence for a kid's film. I mean, well, Joe Pesci grabs a door handle and, like, has a burn embedded onto his yeah. hand. That's pretty great. You know, you've got the bubbling skin. Let's talk, let's talk about this then, because okay. this film could very easily have gone a slightly different way and been called Child Arrested for Manslaughter. Yeah. Feral Child Absolutely. Arrested for Manslaughter. Well, and his parents with him for, for neglect. neglect. Yes. Yeah. Neglected Child mm-hmm. Kills Two Men. Yeah. That's what the film could be called. Yes. And then you'd have Neglected Child Kills Two Men, mm-hmm. Two Lost in New York. Yeah. That could be good. So I've made a list of Kevin's crimes because I was actually watching this film before it good. came out. Shoots groin area and head with air rifle. Yeah. I'd give up right then. Yeah. That's right at the beginning. That's the first thing he does to these two men yeah. through a dog flap. Um, deliberately icy stairs to cause injury. Yeah. Again, what's wrong with this child? Yeah. Sicko fat. Yeah. Drops domestic mean. iron on head. Yep. That could easily kill somebody. Yeah. Yes. Should have. Yes. Heats up door handle. Yeah. As you said, what, what's wrong with this person? Apart from anything else, is that for a young kid, he has a great grasp of physics, knowing that heating metal from one side of a door would yes. heat up the metal on the other side. Like, I would never, Absolutely. I would never have been able to put that together as a kid. And so good for him. I mean, how did he, I mean, what child would remember if they have a wooden door handle or a metal door mm-hmm. handle on the other yeah. side? Well-made house as well. Tar on see. steps with nail through the foot. Yeah, that's horrific. Flame torch to the head. Yep. This is murder. Yep. This is attempted murder. Also, because of Pesci's height, it luckily burns the top of his head. Had that yeah. been the other guy walking through, he would have had it in the face. Uh huh. Yeah. Flames to the face. Yeah. Dead. Got rid of his wispy, yep. wispy facial hair. Yep. Um, blows feathers to cause humiliation. <laughs> that's. Yeah. That's a that's, light point. Yeah, that's an ass boy, Glass Xmas decorations to bear That's the sore one. That's the one I wanted to bring up because I think everyone. That, you know, no one's going to get hit in the face by an iron necessarily or have mm. it dropped on their head, but I think everyone's kind of stepped on maybe a Christmas decoration or a kid's mm. toy in, a, in your bare feet, and that, that hurts the bug at me. And so. slipping on toy cars is another one yep. he sets up, and that's, you know, that's a classic kind of slapstick thing. Mm-hmm. You can see that happen to someone like Steve Martin or something. Mm. Um, but swinging paint cans to head. Well, that would kill them. That's, a, that's, a, that's five to ten yeah. for a child, yeah. easily. Exposure to tarantula. Not so bad. Yeah. Um, swing men on rope into side of house. Yeah. Again, you're killing people here. Mm-hmm. The internal trauma would be something that they wouldn't come back from. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, just a very sick child, a very sick and wrong child. Yeah. Mm. Very dark film. Yeah. Something actually clicked today for me when I saw it. Like uh, he, I was like, why does he not just go to the police? And it's because he thinks that he's wished his family away. Because mm. as you say, they have this argument, and he's like, oh, I wish they'd all disappear. And then he wakes up, and of course they're all gone, so he thinks this is just going to be his life from now on. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. But in the second one, why does he not just call the police? Oh, because he's happy. He, he likes having the hotel room. I suppose so. Yeah. 
He likes running through Tim Curry's legs. And I mean, I'm not surprised that um, Kevin McAllister would probably turn out like the real Macaulay Culkin with this mm-hmm. kind of neglect from his parents. I mean, he'd be <laughs> on um, the therapist couch for, for years talking yeah. about this. Aye. And a, a great turn again with um, the firecrackers and the, the video stopping. Ah, oh, it's a- classic. Angels were well, I'll be dropping that in. That's, that's great. <clears throat> yeah. i tell you what I'm going to give you, snakes. I'm going to give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no-good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. All right, Johnny, I'm sorry. I'm going. One, two, ten. So, yeah, really, a really great pick, a timeless classic. And, uh, yeah, the second one's exactly the same, though, isn't it? The second one it is exactly the same, right down to him, like, being saved by a social outcast. Uh-huh. You know, in the first film, it's the old man shoveling... Shoveling driveways, and in the second one, it's the the old woman. Crazy pigeon lady. You would have like he learned that lesson already. He learned yeah. all these lessons before. In I fact, know. he's already learned the the value of family. Well, so this is why I think he had hypnotherapy to forget his um, his assaults on right. the men, and he's yeah. forgotten everything. Yeah. And that's why he, he reacts the way he does. I suspect he's, Uncle Frank on the side was also molesting him, and mm. he was just blocking it all out. Uncle Frank was a weirdo, yeah. and then they were they were they were going to force him to sleep in a bed with a, a child a that the bed. Yeah, bedware. This that's, is neglect. That's child abuse. So, that is child abuse. So, so child if you know abuse. a kid wets the bed and you make someone sleep with them, that's mm-hmm. that's that's child abuse. We've got child abuse, attempted murder, mm-hmm. um, break-ins. We've got animal animal abuse when they try to hit the tarantula with um, a crowbar. Mm. I mean, this is uh, this is a dark film, and I think if it had been scored differently, I always say this, but I'd like to see films scored differently with mm-hmm. um, maybe some more menacing music, maybe the music of something like uh, Insidious or, or, or something <laughs> like that. Then you're going to see a very different film from this. Get Danny Elfman on the case. Ah, he'll do it. Yeah, still in jobs. So yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's my number three, Home Alone. Lovely. Yeah. So where are we at? My number three. Yes, indeed. It's Bad Santa. Okay. Now this, um, I, I don't know, I, I feel like you're kind of beating me on, on Holiday Spirit here because I'm not getting too much of it well, so that's far. what you get when you pick fucking Jingle all the way. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, this is um, the story of um, career criminals Willie and Marcus. Mm-hmm. And they take up their le- yearly tradition uh, of infiltrating a department store under the guise of uh, a store Santa and his elf sidekick. Uh, the main flaw in this plan is Willie's inability to function in the job and keep his, keep a low profile as he's a foul-mouthed, sex-crazed alcoholic. Mm. Uh, aren't we all, though? He raises, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he raises the ire of uh, store management and intern store security, played by a delight- delightfully devilish late Bernie Mac. Rest in peace. Really top dog. Yeah. The only glimmer of redemption for Willie comes in the form of a young, overweight, awkward little boy called Herman Merman, <laughs> who con- conjures something resembling sympathy uh-huh. from Thornton's self-destructive Santa. Right. So that's lovely, uh, beautifully synopsized there for you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Now, you've not seen this film, have you? I have not. Well, let me tell you, sir. What I like about this film is not the crude jokes or the foul language, although they do tickle me. <laughs> It is the greed and depravity and how it's associated with the holiday season. Uh-huh. The film resists the happy ending tie-up to the very last moment uh-huh. and at times Willie resembles Nick Cage's hopeless alcoholic of leaving Las Vegas. Uh-huh. Mm, quite a dark character, you might say. This film is about uh, defying the corporate Christmas spirit forced down our necks, satirising goodwill to all men and at the last moment 
offers hope in the form of a very unlikely happy ending. Right. Yeah, it's a good film. Yeah. Um, there's actually apparently another cut of this film where mm-hmm. there's no story with the little boy, so it's just dark and cell. So <laughs> basically, it's just leaving Las Vegas in a rented Santa costume. You see that? That sounds quite intriguing. Yeah. Gritty. Well, if you were Santa, you could do magic. You want to see some magic? Here, let's watch you disappear. Alright, so number three for you was Bad Santa. So we're going to move on to my number two, which I'm very excited to talk about, and we'll talk about any opportunity I get. It is the greatest action film of all time, and may well be the, well, it's the second best Christmas film of all time. It is, of course, Die Hard. Oh. Yes. Oh, I didn't see that coming. John McTiernan in 1988. John McClane, he's a New York cop. Somewhat of a renegade, somewhat of a maverick, you might say. <laughs> he is in LA visiting his estranged wife, Holly Gennaro, Holly. in the Nakatomi Plaza, mm. when, wouldn't you know it, wow. Hans Gruber, international German terrorist, invades the building, takes them all hostage, apart from McLean, and starts starts trying to set about his evil plan. Ruins the whole Christmas party. He does, well, some might say that uh, Ellis ruined the whole the whole Christmas party. Yeah, he, was his, a, he was a DB. With his nose candy and his uh, lecherous ways. But to me, it was Hans Gruber and, yeah. his, and his boys. Um, so, as I mentioned, greatest action film of all time. Because it takes the time to really do well all the elements to make a great action film. Nowadays, uh, and you know, this is kind of making me sound very old-fashioned, but nowadays an action film, a lot of money spent on the set pieces, not an awful lot on anything else. This Mm. is a film, the set pieces are there. There's some really, really, really impressive parts to that. You've got a likable hero, you've got a great villain, you've got humour to it, and it's a film that that can be nasty when it needs to be. You know, there there are murders, there are innocent casualties lost. Absolutely. You know, and there's there's some brutality to it. Um, So it, it definitely covers all those areas. And it's, you know, a lot of... Now people seem to think all you need is a, a whole load of explosions and a massive body count, and you're on the way to an action film. But it's it's not the it's not the case, and Die Hard proves that, and that is why it's the pinnacle of the genre. What I really like about it as well, and something again that other films don't do, is it, it takes the time to establish the henchmen as characters as well. So you have you have is it Car- yeah, Carl, it's Carl who who loses his brother and is, so he's on his own sort of quest for redemption. Tell Carl his brother's dead. Yeah, and then you've got you've got your computer whiz kid who's, oh, who's yeah. down the stairs fiddling away. On he's like the, he's like Boris in uh, Goldeneye. Exactly. Yeah, and he's very good. And also there in the background probably doesn't get any lines. You have um, Al Leong who. You probably know Nick as the the Asian henchman in action films of the eighties and nineties. You might have seen him in Lethal Weapon. He was the Asian henchman in that. Nice. Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. He really? pops up in that. Yep, Escape Chinatown. from L.A. And uh, probably his biggest his biggest featured role was playing Genghis Khan in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. So if you needed an Asian <laughs> henchman in the eighties or nineties, Al Young was there, and it's just nice, you know, in this crew made up of mostly Eastern European. Aryan, yeah. Aryan businessmen with guns. You, you still drop in. There's, there's always still room, room. There's still room for Al Leon. There's so. always room for diversity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Hans Gruber is an equal opportunities oh, yeah. uh, criminal. That, everyone says that about yeah, him. Yeah, he's good. Even mm. yeah, that's that's what made him better from Simon Gruber. Yeah, he was very uh, formulaic. I yeah. thought, but you know, he's the charismatic brother, really, isn't he? Right. So 
It's it's perfect across the board as an action movie. As a Christmas movie, and it's perhaps not the most traditional Christmas movie, although it's often dropped in on Smarty Pants uh, film people's mm. top ten Christmas movie lists. But it's, it's got the Christmas themes to it. It's got family, it's got togetherness. Mm. You know, there's a lot of snow. It, it's ultimate. Yep, there's Ellis snow. brings the snow to the party. Yep, and... <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, ultimately, it's about a guy trying to get home to his family for Christmas. Absolutely. And, and what is more in the Christmas spirit than that? Cocaine. I suppose. Mm. So, Die Hard, number two. Love it. Yep. Great film. Good mm -hmm. use of vests, white vests. Yep. Good use of uh, receding hair. Mm -hmm. um, good use of bare feet on broken glass. Mm -hmm. And that takes us back to Home Alone, of course. Yep. Well, something that impresses me that doesn't get called out an awful lot is Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber is obviously very good. He does a, a, a competent German accent. What but also the bit... Accent, also the bit where Bruce Willis like catches him and he pretends to be one of the hostages. Oh, yeah. He does a great American no, great German pretending to be an American accent. So he's like putting on a triple layer of accents oh, yeah. there. So as a Brit playing a German pretending to be American, I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Do you know I think I heard that that um here's another another bit from Nicopedia. Mm -hmm. I heard that he um pulled out that accent on set and the director liked it so much that they put that bit in the film just because he could do that accent. Right. You might want to check that yeah. on Wikipedia, but I think that's true. Now I don't know <laughs> if what anything you say is What's true up or not. What's down, but yeah. I think that's the case. You think you're quite the hero, don't you, McLean? Just want to throw that in there. Right. Was it, um, Alan Rickman has not just walked into the studio for, <laughs> for people. That was Nick's stellar impression. Right, my number two is uh, from 1992, and it's a Muppets Christmas Carol. Gentlemen, let's close up for Christmas. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. Good fun, good solid fun. Plenty yep. of Dickensian belly laughs yep. as Jim Henson's lovable troupe take on this classic tale. Mm. And this, for me, really introduces the story to a younger audience. And, you know, I, I actually might have seen this as my first introduction to um, Charles Dickens. And that's, that's a real shameful thing to say on the internet. But there you have it. Um, is, it I, I, is it your only introduction into Charles Dickens? No, because I've seen Have the, you explored it since then? I've seen other carnations of, <laughs> incarnations and carnations mm. in the street of flower girls in Dickensian times. Mm -hmm. But uh, incarnations certainly of the Christmas Carol as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, I, I like this because it really it treads the line between satire and sincerity. Does it? Mm, all the S's. Yeah. So we have Michael Caine as Scrooge. Yes. And... You know, perfectly cast. Yeah, <laughs> wonderfully, wonderful Scrooge. Apart from the singing, I could less said about take, it. Take it or leave yeah. it. And it also amazed me watching this film because Michael Caine. You can imagine him on set, and he's playing this. He's playing this classic character, Scrooge, and he's playing it with incredible gusto. But he's surrounded by, literally surrounded by Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> but he yeah. plays it with such conviction, and I've got so much respect for him, given all that must have been going. Around them on set, Muppet Madness. Yeah. Yeah? So, um. That Kermit's quite the prankster. Well, you know, Kermit's a solid hand, but you've got Guns of the Great there, who's. We've all heard about his on set um, shenanigans, yeah. and Razzle the Rat, Rizzle the Rat. Um, Tiny Tim, as a small green felt frog, still pulls on the heartstrings. Sweet yeah. and heartbreaking, and. Uh, you know, it's just great fun, great songs. Mm -hmm. Miss Piggy's on top form as usual, and my, my favourite are we mentioned Rizzo there, but my favourite are just the rats, the Muppet rats, yeah. and they work as uh, 
at boot keepers for mm-hmm. Mr. Scrooge. So here's a little clip of the rats. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, it's gotten colder. Yeah. Any bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire? We can't do the bookkeeping. Yeah, all of our pens have turned to inksicles. Yeah. Our assets are frozen. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly... I believe you convinced them once again, Mr. Scrooge. Oh, hilarious. Our assets are frozen. <laughs> that is actually a very clever joke. Yeah. So it may not be the best depiction of, of A Christmas Carol. It may not be the best Muppet movie, but it's a slice of culture, of family fun that can be enjoyed by young and old and has a classic message uh, of sharing and goodwill mm-hmm. that really encompasses Christmas. Yeah, and I think you've hit the nail on the head there because Christmas obviously is about family and when you th- you think of a christmas movie it is one that you want to sit down and it, you know you can be you know a, a young family with their with their uh, toddlers yeah. or you know even a nostalgic teenager with 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 their aging parents and and, and still enjoy it and i think it, or it, it does... even a french lesbian couple with yeah. their artistic friends around their interpretation dinner. of a family is equally valid mm. Uh, and this is your film for you if you're doing that, right? I suppose so. <laughs> it kind of makes Die Hard look a bit, uh, yeah, this is a bit the, niche. Yeah, well, exactly. In that respect, Die Hard is not the most appropriate Christmas film. But you're right, and it does warm the heart, and it is very good. And I am a big fan of the Muppets. I think a Muppets Treasure Island is excellent. Indeed. And, and uh, the recent Muppets movie I, I really enjoyed as well. So. Absolutely. Good. All Muppet right. Madness. So that leads us nicely on to my number one and your number one, and really everybody's yeah. Christmas number one. Just in the same way that there is only one correct answer to what is the best Christmas song, obviously the Pogues Fairy Tale in New York, best Christmas song, there is only mm-hmm. one correct answer to the best Christmas movie. Yeah. As Kevin Bacon would say on those uh, delightful trailers, it's a no-brainer. Uh, I haven't seen those. You've not seen the oh, other no, ones? No, no, I haven't seen them yet. Chill Bacon. No, I've, I've seen them. Paul Man is all I've, over I've this. seen them. Yes, uh, so, number one, Frank Capra, 1946. Indeed. Jimmy Stewart, It's a Wonderful Life. Merry Christmas, movie house! Merry Christmas, Emporium! Merry Christmas, you wonderful old building alone! Charming. Mm-hmm. Life-affirming. Yep. Classic. Mm-hmm. Golden. Mm-hmm. As the years go on, this gem will not age nope. or change. Nope. Amazing music, dialogue, story. Mm-hmm. It's a one-off. Yep. Absolutely. Well, it's it's a wonderful life, or as I like to call it, Escape Bedford Falls, as uh, Jimmy Stewart <laughs> plays a uh, young man, George Bailey, who has big dreams going out and seeing the world and doing a lot of good things. He's smart as a whippet. He's got... The, wor- the world is his oyster. Mm. He's all set to go off and leave. And then as a young man and as a middle-aged man, you know, he just keeps on finding himself unable to leave Bedford Falls yeah. just for various reasons, family obligations, for romantic obligations. And eventually it comes to the stage where desperation, financial woes come to him. Contemplating suicide and contemplating the world would be a better place had he, had he never been born and then Angel Clarence is uh, set down to, to show him to show him just what life would be like if he never was born. Yeah, it's it's I only saw this film last last year mm-hmm. at Christmas for the first time right. in the cinema. I was lucky enough to see it on the big screen and mm-hmm. it really blew me away. It's a real high concept actually. Mm-hmm. This these celestial voices which mm-hmm. are just a couple of stars mm-hmm. talking to each other and they, they look down and they see George's story and they, they intervene as you say with this angel. It's um 
it's really it's really something something special. It's not dissimilar actually to um, a Christmas Carol mm-hmm. when um, they they send down this um, supernatural agent mm-hmm. to to show a man the ramifications of his death or or his yeah. non existence in this case, which yeah. leads him to a life affirming um, epiphany. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh. Yeah, I have literally written essays on James uh, Jimmy Stewart and uh, and his uh, acting prowess, and yeah. for me, is it's a apart from anything else, a great physical performance from him. You know, you know, he's known for his distinctive ah oh, shucks kind of drawl that he has, but it's a really great physical performance. You know. And, and sort of, he, he shows, he starts off as this young man who I said the world is his oyster and there's a great scene where he's kind of dancing about and he's swinging his legs about and mm-hmm. he takes the slapstick fall into the pool. That's and, amazing scene. And, uh, you know, he's great and obviously he's, he's playing a, a man younger than he than he would appear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as he goes on, he becomes older, he becomes cynical and he's almost kind of folded up in on himself. His shoulders are slumped and things like that. And yeah, terrific uh, physical performance from him. Love it. Yeah. You want the moon, Mary? I'll put a lasso and bring her back down for you, man. Love it. It's, I mean, it's really all about this, on the grander scale, it's about, you know, everyone's unconscious effect on the world around you and this this pretty heavy cosmic topic is dealt mm. with um, so gently and with such poise that it's it's just on the right side of the corner yeah. for me. Yeah. I mean, it's a Christmas staple and like, like you, the first time I saw it was probably only three, four or five years ago really? and it's one that I've, I must have seen probably every Christmas since and yeah. I make an effort to sit down and watch it and the more I see it the more of an effect it has on me and it gets to that point where and sorry spoiler alerts for It's a Wonderful Life but the part of the end where like all his friends come in and they're in a line and they're all just like helping him out with the money and they're helping him out with stuff that sends shivers down the spine get mm. a bit of a lump in the throat you know it's a, a beautiful beautiful moment it's a great line in that scene by some old woman she says I was saving this money to, for my divorce. Should I ever get married? <laughs> what about this? More. 2015 sequel. Yep. I have that down as a talking point as well. What the hell? Yep. It was recently announced that they are planning on making a sequel. Uh, I think it's called It's a Wonderful Life, the complete story yeah. in which the grandchild of George Bailey mm-hmm. is visited by an angel who shows him how good other people's lives would be if you yeah. were born. Well, that is just one of, the, that's one of the storylines from the Christmas Carol, though. Yeah. It's... Uh, yeah. Uh, clearly, it doesn't need a sequel. You know, we've gone almost 70 years without one, and people have seen that it's untouchable. Paramount Studios are actually disputing this, so it may yeah, yeah. get blocked, which is great news. I'm, I'm hoping it will. If it... If it does get made, the the obvious solution is to not go see it uh, and ignore it completely. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Somebody on YouTube has done a mock up of uh, of, a, <laughs> of a kind of a reimagining of it, and I, I posted this on our uh, Hi Hat Facebook page, and I encourage you to go look at it. It's kind of a mosh up, uh, mash up for, and it's a wonderful life sequel, but it's done in the style of the trailer for The Wolf of Wall Street, which is a new oh, film yeah, yeah. by Martin Scorsese, and it, it, it looks it's really funny because it's like it's it's just taking clips from the film and kind of setting it to a Kanye West background. Yeah, and it's <laughs> you know rearranging it, and it, it's very funny. I like so the encourage you to go and watch that all right so that is our top five christmas movies um for myself number five was rare exports a christmas tale number four the nightmare before christmas number three home alone number two die hard and number one it's a wonderful life well that's a lovely list um michael i can't say much more than that but 
For me, I chose Love Actually. I don't know what happened there. I think I got brainwashed by just having watched it so many yeah. times. Well, mate, that is not the most contentious pick on okay. your list. Well, certainly not Jingle All The Way at number four. Mm. We have Bad Santa at number three. Number two was The Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm. And number one was also It's A Wonderful Life. Good. Wow. And it's a wonderful top five this week, Michael. <laughs> Mine was. Wonderful discussion you. between wonderful friends. Yes. About indeed. wonderful films. Wonderful. Yes, in wonderful soundproof pods. Yes. Lovely. We kicked it down. Give me my twenty thousand in cash.